G'day everyone and welcome to another edition of the Weekend Wrap brought to you by Crowcast of course. Very interesting round of footy, uh, not a great result for the Crows but nonetheless uh, we're still in the hunt for the con- consolation prize. So without any further ado let's get right into it shall we. Welcome to another weekend wrap, round 20 of the 2021 AFL Premiership season. An interesting round of footy and joining me as always, Nikki. How are you going, Nick? I'm going well, and you? I'm not bad for an old fella. And Macca, speaking of old fellas, how are you going? You know you're saying that because you knew I was a stowaway on the ark, but uh, <laughs> no, uh, I'm Pretty tired. I've been watching uh, every bloody game of footy. And I've enjoyed it, but I live every moment, so I'm buggered. Yeah, uh, I can imagine that. I didn't get around to watching much footy today. I had too much else to do, but nevertheless, I'm sure we'll have a, a vigorous discussion about the weekend's results. <laughs> G'day to everyone yep. who's joined us on Discord and, of course, on YouTube. Fantastic to see everyone with us once again. Uh, we uh, have some people already in the live studio audience. Don't forget, if you want to get around the chat and have your say, get into the live audience on you, on Discord sorry, and uh, put your hand up and we'll have you on board. But nonetheless, even if you don't want to do that, there's plenty of activity on the chat on YouTube and also on Discord live studio chat. Okay. Nick? Before we get into Mac's yes. uh, wonderful world of whatever it is, fame, <laughs> what do you think of the weekend? <laughs> I've only just um, just checked on like a couple of scores and things like that. I watched our game, um, watched a little bit of the the Hawthorne one because that was just hilarious, um, and just now was just watching uh, GWS get in front of Port. So that's always vastly amusing. Yeah, it's always fun. Mac, what do you think? Um, well, you know, it's been a, a weekend of some uh, surprise results and some uh, disappointing performances by teams trying to get in the eight. It just seems like nobody really wants to consolidate their position because every time they get a chance, they blow it. But uh, no, there's been some good games. Uh, most of the games were pretty good, actually, to watch. Um, so, yeah, I enjoyed the footy. Yeah, very good, very good. Well, look, without any further ado, Mac... Why don't we just get into Macca's beloved weekend results wrap-up? Oh, it's not going to play my music. Damn it. You have to hum it, (laughs) I don't know why it's not playing my music. Never mind. Never mind. All right, let's uh, have a look. And um, that's not going to work. How about we do that? That's better. Uh, so the Saints uh, on, when was that? Bloody Friday night, 12 
getting absolutely pants by the Blues by 31 points. 18-4-1-1-2. Margin, as I said, 31 points, Mac. I know what you've done there, mate, but you made yourself, your voice going all quavery. Um, quavery? Quavery. Back to the game. Uh, St Kilda and Carlton. Jeez, um, St Kilda, how disappointing a team they are. They've got a leader in Jack Steele who played a magnificent game. Came, He's played his heart out. Uh, and Marshall, who had to miss the last two games due to uh, well the COVID situation, not not that he had it, yeah. um, and he came back and he dominated, absolutely dominated. But gee, some of their players are so pissed. They don't really go hard, and uh, that's really the difference. They, you can play football, and you can go and you can go through the motions of playing football, or you can really, really play football. And I'm afraid that that's. St Kilda did not play football as you should play it. And uh, to get beaten by Carlton and comfortably beaten by Carlton, well, that, that says it all, really. It's just such a turnaround in form. How's my audio, by the way? Is that better? Yeah, that's Perfect. good. Yeah. Perfect. It's just such a turnaround in form from one week to the next. It's very hard to follow these middle-of-the-road teams between about 6 and 12. They're just up and down yeah. like yo-yos. It's quite unbelievable this year. Never mind. Uh, the next game, um, the Cats doing what they needed to do and getting up by 20 points over a gallant North Melbourne, 8 to six six forty two. Yeah, didn't see all of this game because I was uh, in and out of the games. But, uh, well, as you said, uh, North Melbourne very, very good early. Uh, Geelong gradually wore them down, gradually got, in top, yep. gradually got in control. Just too good. Yep. Yeah, that's how it boiled down, really. They just had to get the W on, in that game. Yeah. Um, now, the Pies just showing us a little bit more, if in case anyone was still in doubt how much of uh, a bunch of pretenders the West Coast are. Uh, 14,690 to 6,945, a margin, a convincing margin of 45 points. West Coast never looked in it. Yeah, well, you know, Collingwood did the right thing. They jumped us. Uh, they've gone up a position, and we've gone down a position in our quest to, for the Holy Grail. Um, no, 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 but, we're not doing that. According to you guys, we're not, not doing that. But anyway, keep going. Well, no, no you, you, you misinterpreted that. I would love to do it. Mm, keep going. Anyhow, what I was going to say there was that uh, <laughs> when you see the way that Collingwood actually played, you, you mm. just wonder why they hadn't won uh, more games. And I thought they played pretty good footy, actually. Um, oh, and, they've got, and they've got some pretty quality players there, mate. Yeah. You know, Grundy I've, and... Yeah, they do. I think Collingwood need every part of the engine working for them at the moment. They're probably just a little bit down on on the peripheral of their score of their twenty two, but when they do get all their uh, good players firing, um, they are dangerous. You're right. But uh, yep, and the, the reverse just... with West Coast, mate, they are a disgrace. I and you know anybody in their right mind would have picked Collingwood because West Coast are just. They just leave their hearts back in uh, Perth and uh, they turn up physically, but that's about it. Well, I mean, they... um, wasn't it wasn't it Bunger's like 300th? Yes, it was. Yeah. yeah. Terribly disappointing for that person. Um, yeah. you can, you he's can... been a stalwart of that club and for, for them to put up that, that display in such a game, uh, very disappointing. Well, you can rule but... them out as a premiership chance anyhow. Oh, they can't win. Yeah, yeah. Almost, almost ruling them out as a bloody top eight chance, to be honest with you. Yep. Never mind. 
Um, uh, speaking of ruling out of top eight chances, <laughs> uh, Melbourne destroying the Suns, 18-20. That's 28 scoring shots to 10. 18 goals, 20 128 to the Suns, 4 goals, 630. Uh, just a lazy 98 points for the Ds. Yes. Basically, Melbourne versus Toop Miller and a couple others, really. That's how the game yeah. was. Um, geez, that, he tries his guts out, that bloke. He just runs and runs and yeah. runs. Good player. Um, but yeah, he is a good, very good player. But no, just... If the AFL is serious... Uh, they would be trying to get Clarkson. I mean, Jew's not going to be the man for them. Uh, they've, I don't they've think got you can say that. I don't think you can say that, mate. Well, they, well they're not improving, mate. They're just not improving. And they, yeah. they have some good players in that side, and I don't think that they... Well, they, don't, they didn't perform. He saw what, you know, Rankin went by the wayside because of very poor performances, and he's got some mates out there that will do the same. They just don't perform. Uh, I, I don't think it's the coach. Well... What do you think it is? Well, it's just, it's just not a club. It's just, it's just a franchise. It's not a club. And, you know, the, the, these kids would rather be somewhere else, I think. Oh, that I agree with. <laughs> I think that they definitely play as if they'd rather be somewhere else. Yeah, it's not a club. I mean, you know, you'd rather be playing for the Lions if you're up there or, you know, back in a football state. Anyway... Right. Um, now the Hawthorns just making uh, the Hawthorns, the Hawks making uh, our <laughs> win against them just that much more amazing. Fourteen goals, eight ninety-two. The Hawks by two goals over the Lions, twelve eight eighty. Couldn't believe it. Could not believe it. I mean, I, I watched them play us last week, and or, well, they turned, the effort that they put in against us last week. Totally different. They started out as if they were world beaters and, in fact, won the game really in the first half and yep. uh, Brisbane tried to get back into it. But, you know, how can you... The difference in uh, effort, the difference in the way they play, the difference in everything. Um, it's just irreconcilable. I can't, I can't explain it, Fee. Can't explain it. Nick, do you see no. that game? I only, I only saw bits towards the end because I, I was checking the scores, but I was uh, unfortunately doing some adulting. Um, and I, I saw it towards the end and it was kind of amusing that Mitchell was laughing on the bench um, about yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, but to me, I think where you can find an explanation of it is the youth of the team. Because that's why you have those up and down performances, because that's what we've seen from our team. But it's also a case of they now have to pull their finger out if they want to stay in that team. Uh, well, the interesting thing is that, they, that, uh, that young ruckman of theirs, um, he's, two, he's 208 centimetres officially, but he's 211 centimetres actually, apparently. just he just He's got a real asset to them over the years because nobody else can jump up as high as his arms. No, we saw what an asset Sandlands was to Fremantle when he yep. was up and about. <clears throat> Look, personally, I, I, I enjoyed a, a comment that was made in, uh, I think, the Crows chat channel uh, that uh, Hawthorne might regret sacking Clarkson because he's going to try and win every game now. <laughs> well, yep. now, now, seriously, that's what I thought too. I thought that, I actually thought that too. I think they tanked against us, and I think once they've now told him to go... 
that's my, the only way I could logically explain the difference in the way they played and in the game styles that they, uh, game plan styles that they played as well. Well, was, they played a bit differently, in my opinion. They did. That's my point. Yeah. Uh, I think you're right. Well, I, think he's actually I, I wouldn't take credit of it. Uh, there was, uh, I'm not sure who, I can't remember who said it in the chat, but uh, someone said it and I thought, yeah, it's a bloody good point. Clarkson's uh, a proud man and uh, I don't care what the uh, what the media front has been uh, this week. Uh, he'd be not happy with how things have gone down at Hawthorne and uh, rightly so in my opinion. So uh, he'll, he'll try and make every post a winner on the way out, I reckon. I think you're 100% right. <laughs> uh, good game between Sydney and Essendon. Sydney getting up in the end, 17-7, 109 Oops, 40 points, that's not right. Uh, it was 7 points, sorry, that's my bad editing there. Uh, Essendon 16-6-102. Yeah, excellent game to watch, really, because there's some quality stuff from both sides here. Um, Merrick for uh, um, Essendon, he was absolutely outstanding. He did everything possible to get him up. Uh, and on the other hand, uh, Mills came straight back in after another guy that had to the time off for COVID and can absolutely dominate it with a huge score. Um, and, of course, Buddy up forward, he was a, a danger all game. It was, look, it was not, not that much in it, uh, but the difference being uh, Sydney just that little bit physically stronger, uh, a little bit more, a little bit more mature, uh, sticking to their usual game plan. Essen played their dashing style, which they, which they play, which... Is great when it works and not so good when it doesn't come off. But overall, it was an excellent game as a spectacle to watch. You know, there's a lot of footy, good footy to enjoy. Yeah, I think uh, what Ben's going to have to do at some stage is work out a plan to uh, a, a bit, a bit more of a defensive strategy. This all-out attack that Essendon do is fantastic, um, but uh, they get done going the other way a bit. They do. Uh, now, of course, we have a couple of games in progress here. Uh, let me just look them up and see where we're at with it. I oh, know. They're all finished by Port. Oh, they're all finished MG. now? All right. Yep. So uh, it was a draw. I yep. know. Oh, Frio got up. 17, uh, 7.13.55 to Richmond 6.15.51. So Frio by four points. Yeah, and... it was... Not a great spectacle uh, in terms of quality of football. It was very, very scrambly, very, very scratchy, and it was you know, very, very physical. Frio uh, really jumped Richmond early, got a bit of a break, and just would not give in. Uh, every time Richmond came at them, they just came back again. Richmond, I mean, this is, this is I know they've got a few players out, but this is not the same Richmond that we've been watching for the last few years. This is a team, I think, that's going to about to go into a major decline. Uh, and they won't be playing finals this year, or if they do, they won't be any threat. And I don't think they will be there for a number of years. I've written them off. Written them off completely. They've still got a lot of talent, Mac. Um, I, I reckon. Yeah. I reckon they've run out of mental puff. To be honest with you, a couple of off-season occurrences um, uh, in the in the club rooms, and uh, you know. Two, three flags on the board. I reckon they've mentally just run out of steam. I think they might bounce back next year a bit. I don't not saying what? that they'll be premiership contenders or premiership favourites or whatever, but I think they'll bounce back a bit. 
Well, that's basically what I'm saying. That um, they, they might get up to next year, have a better year, but I still don't think they'll get another flag, not for a few years, even if they got up to second or third, because they they're just falling off the pace. And and uh, you know, after players won uh, three premierships like they did, they they just not as uh, just lose a little, just lose a little. Hmm. Yeah, interesting to see what will happen with Shy Bolton actually over the off season, uh, whether he goes back west, or whether he uh, whether he sticks for another contract at Car- at uh, Richmond. I tell you what, I wouldn't mind uh, the Crows chucking a nice little sum at him. Uh, he's an interesting player because he's an absolute match winner on his day, but he can have days where you don't see him. Yeah, but you know what, Mac? If we're talking about outside pace, <laughs> there's your man oh, right there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the game's still in progress about three and a half, four minutes into the last quarter. Port at the moment by seven points, 11 goals, six, uh, 672 to the Giants. Probably on their last gasp, I reckon, in terms of uh, in terms of uh, really entrenching themselves in the eight. If they win their, what's that? That's uh, They'll be six points clear with a couple of games to go that I just about see them right but if they lose this one it leaves the door open for Essendon and surprisingly Richmond and Carlton and also Fremantle and also St Kilda on 32 so it's well, up there at the end isn't it yeah I mean as I said last week but uh, we pronounced it four weeks ago it was all over <laughs> in the eight but no yeah. it's just yeah. up- who would like to predict who's going to finish in the eight now? Yeah, and the thing is, what? it doesn't really matter anyway. <laughs> just no, just having a look at the ladder, we've got the the Bulldogs uh, on top with sixty, along with Geelong, uh, just under them on percentage. Uh, Melbourne clear in third on fifty eight. Port and Sydney on fifty two apiece. Port can go up to fifty six with a win, of course. Uh, Brisbane on forty eight. West Coast, I don't know how they're still there on forty. Uh, the Giants on 34 could go up to 38 with a win. Um, and, you know, as bad as as bad as bad West Coast are playing, uh, Macca, it's hard to see them missing out. There's two, two games clear of uh, that log jam. Yeah, well, there'll be somebody's easy meet if they have to play away from home. Yeah, yeah. Well, Essendon, Richmond, Carlton, Fremantle, St Kilda on 32 points. Um, Collingwood, Gold Coast and Adelaide on 24 points, Hawthorne on 22 points and North Melbourne on 18 points. So as it stands, we're uh, two points shy of pick two and uh, six points shy of pick one. And I just have a sneaking feeling, Macca, just a sneaking feeling that uh, the Adelaide-North Melbourne game in round 23 might end up being the Jason Horn Cup. I hope you're right. I, I genuinely hope you're right. Uh, I think we could win that if we got the. <laughs> well, we'll win it either way. We'll either win the match or win the pick. No, I'm talking about Jason Hall. Look, if if it does get down that, I would be furious if they didn't just pick a heap of young lads and so just go out there and just have a kick. Yeah, what do you think North Melbourne are going to do? Who's <laughs> <laughs> youngsters are better than who's youngsters? <laughs> Yeah. Never mind. Look, we've uh, we did that to death last week, so I really don't want to get bogged down in um, in that conversation again. 
this week. Right. I think uh, everyone I, knows I how just, everyone feels about it. <laughs> I, I just think it's kind of interesting that we did have that massive discussion on it and we were basically lamenting, you know, that it was no chance for us to be down the bottom, etc., etc. And now it's like, I just looked at the other games coming up going, you know what, we can probably get the second pick. It's a, it, well, we might get pick two. Um, yeah. Uh, North, uh, yeah, North are playing pretty decent footy. I mean, it was, uh, you know, a bit of a slog against Geelong. Geelong. Well, it was a bit of a slog, but they certainly uh, weren't out of it. So uh, anyway, uh, let's deal with the match at hand, shall we? And the match at hand told us that. Uh, the dogs got up by forty nine points in the end, fifteen fifteen one oh five to Adelaide eight eight fifty six. Um, Nikki, I'll go with you first. It didn't really feel like a forty nine point game, did it? No, and and we've we've said this a, a couple of times already this year. And to me, like there's there's been a couple of games and thank God I never watched the Essendon one, but I've been kind of dirty at with the way it ended, but the when this one ended, it was like, yeah, I'll turn it off. Um, it was expected that the Bulldogs were going to win. Yeah. But I thought we had some really nice passages to play. A youngs, um, couple of the youngsters actually stood up quite nicely. The back line very much so, which you think is weird when you say it's a, you know, a 50-point loss or 49-point loss. But I actually thought the back line played very well because we're playing the team that is probably the number one team. And some of our players didn't look out of place out there. Mate, what do you think? Well, that's a very good summary by Nikki because I didn't disagree with one thing she said, actually. I, <laughs> um, it, it didn't feel like an eight-goal loss so in, in the sense that we uh, we just lacked that little bit of polish that they have. Uh, mm. And that's the, really the difference in the in the game. They... They've got a, a mighty midfield, although bon, uh, Bontempelli was held fairly quiet by his standards. Um, McCray, of course, gets his 30-odd, like he always does. Um, and Smith, uh, I thought he was probably their best player across the centre line. And that's probably where why they won the game again, because they just got that drive. Nicky's quite right, I thought. Under the pressure of the back line that's under and the number of times the ball came in there, the back line guys, can, they can hold their head up high. I thought they played pretty well. Um, uh, look, we were just, they are probably, the, I do regard them as a number one team and the team to beat for the for the grand final. And to be beaten by eight goals by them, I don't think was any disgrace at all. So I, I was quite happy. Yeah, I, I thought lots of uh, areas of our game showed promise or showed endeavour. Um, I just feel like we were beaten by a team that, uh, is firing on all cylinders at the moment, and in the end, they were just far too strong. Um, I, you know, I don't feel like the venue really uh, favoured us. Uh, I don't think we played the venue particularly well, but you know, you can understand that. How how many times are you going to play up at bloody Ballarat? So you know, in the end, I Ice. think it was a serviceable sort of a game. Really, um, look. I've got to actually say this, and this isn't uh, this isn't to reignite last week's conversation. I just found it really hard to get excited by by this game. 
Yeah, that's a fair comment too, because I think we all knew the result before the game started, and um, uh, I and I know what you're saying. We're a little bit flat from where we sit uh, in terms of the ladder, and we were re- we were really going through the motions for the end of the year, and uh, this was just one of those games we went through the motions for. There's another three to go through. They may mean something. They may mean nothing. Uh, and when I say that. Um, the sad part of it is only may mean something if we were to be losing all the time, and um, uh, and if we win so- a game, would be that's probably would be nice, but it wouldn't mean much, not at this stage. Yeah, and you know, it, it really makes me make the point that what was the point in beating Hawthorne last week? Well, it was stupid. <laughs> But you wanted a winning culture last week. We had a big, long, bloody what? conversation about it. No, I, I, I still say you've obviously mis- misinterpreted me. Uh, Maybe. Because, no, you have, because you know I was as fat as a pancake after we won. Mm. Fat as a pancake. Yeah, no, look, we won't rub it on. I, I, my apologies to no. everyone because I've brought that up again. Um, well, what I would have said to you last week was the fact that, from a coach's point of view, they want winning cultures. But, uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that we think the same way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, look, let's have a look at... Uh, I've jumped the gun there a little bit. Let's just have a look at... Oh, my goodness me. Macca, there are times where you just wonder... Who's driving this train? Because I'm clicking screens here like crazy, <laughs> and uh, it's just not happening for me. Let's have a look at the lineup, shall we? Um, interesting select. Oh, for all the talk on Billy Frampton, um, we dropped him, and I felt like um, we were one tall short as a consequence down back. Uh, I, I, I didn't feel that thing. Um, no, I didn't feel that. What, who do you think was the person who gave us the problem? Well, I just think it was the match-up in general. Uh, I felt like we, we could have actually done with that third third tall, um, whether it be Frampton or whoever else. I'm not talking about the individual, but I just felt like uh, with Ugle Hagen, Josh Bruce and Aaron Norton there, I actually feel like, once again, we stifled ourselves by signing, um, you know, Dude and and Kelly and those mid-sized defenders uh, to a lockdown. Well, that's po- yeah, that's that's probably a fair situation. I didn't think Murray played all that badly, though. I'm not saying that they, the guys that were picked played badly. I'm talking about the actual matchup. So it was actually a situation where they have three genuine tall forwards and uh, we we dropped one. Well, if we did get the matchups wrong, it would be no surprise because we haven't, because we don't think we've got them right all year. Well, I don't know how you look at their team. They've been playing those three all year and Ugle Hagen is actually starting to become a little bit of a, a threat as the as the season has progressed and shown, shown something. Norton's always a danger. And, uh, you know, uh, if you let um, uh, Josh Bruce uh, off the chain, he can actually do some damage as well. And I just, 
didn't kind of understand what the thinking was. Every time that we have assigned Duday slash Kelly to a lockdown role, uh, we've lacked run out of defence. We ended up playing Brodie Smith quite deep instead of where he was named on the wing um, to try and generate some run. But uh, in my opinion, we were... Uh, we were short an intercept defender. Uh, Duday did his best and took some nice intercept marks, but I, I just felt like the matchups were all wrong. Except for the fact that those players only got them five goals out of their ten out of their fifteen. Yeah, but it's not just about. So that. It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't their tools. I actually, I didn't have a problem with it. I actually thought our tools did fairly well, um, considering. It. And some of those passes. That even if you had somebody else and you had an intercept, even if you had Duday loose and coming across, there was no way he was going to be able to outmark Ugo Hagen with the way the deliveries and those ones were done. Um, I didn't have a problem with that at all. I think Frampton should have gone, should have been dropped with Murray coming back in. The, the question is, do you then not have Kelly in the team and you have Frampton instead? Which one do you want? Well, I mean... In, in that sense, I think Jake Kelly spent half his time playing on a small. Yeah, which is generally what he does. He's more the he generally takes more the mid to smaller defenders. He doesn't take a tall. He only takes a tall when we have an injury or something like that that happens. Yeah, I know all of that, and that's what I'm saying. The matchups were wrong. I mean, they ended up playing Josh Bruce up the ground a bit um, for large portions of the game. Um, and I don't think he really had an impact doing that. No. It I wasn't just, him, it was their midfield. I, well, I thought. No, I'm not saying that their I, forward line overpowered us, Nick. I'm just I'm talking about the matchups. And to me, it was a, it was a strange decision. And it seems to be um, inherent on us to seem to want to go uh, into into matches with Duday having responsibility for a third tool and uh, he did quite well uh, with the intercepts that he took but it took him actually run, coming off his man quite a bit Yeah look, and even if you are right though Fame, Nicky's also right, the, the real damage was done up in the midfield area No, that's no doubt no doubt that's where, that's where the class, well they have the classiest midfield in the competition and uh, yeah, yeah we, we got the brunt of it yeah, I, I think they've got the most balanced midfield. I think uh, the D's with Petrarca and Oliver have a one-two punch that's pretty solid, but it falls away a little bit, whereas the Bulldogs can throw a number of players at you through that rotation, and uh, and they're all pretty good quality. Um, uh, we had D-Mac as a sub. I didn't mind that. Lockie Scholl uh, omitted. I didn't mind that. Uh, I didn't... Uh, I wasn't enamoured by the replacement um, and you know we can have conversations about Tom Lynch and Lockie Murphy as well if you like but uh, I think I've probably done that to death I thought Lockie Murphy had a really good game team yeah he did, not saying he did not saying he did uh, only, um, went, only flew for about three marks on the wing that he shouldn't have but that was alright <laughs> I mean, that is the frustrating part of his game, yes. He, he doesn't seem to realise that he's not the size of a ruckman. But um, he, with ball in hand, he does he does better than most, I think. I think he, he did some good things. Does better than most where? 
out in the football world. No, I'm seriously. I thought that he, as as a as a small, he did as good as any other small on the ground. His biggest problem is he flies for the balls coming in high when he shouldn't be. Yeah, but you can't actually fob that off. I remember specifically a moment on the uh, on the near side wing where he um, was running to the back of the contest. I think it was Himmelberg going up. We were kicking with the breeze. The ball was always going to go over the back. He was actually in a good spot to crumb the ball because both players, uh, Elliot and the Bulldogs player, had kind of got underneath the ball, as you tend to do, when the ball's uh, kicked with the wind. And uh, what did he do? Went up for the hang, didn't he? And he did. As a, res- as a result, the Bulldogs got the ball. And, you know, I... I think Lockie Murphy does some very good things at ground level, absolutely. But he, those key moments, that's concentration, Macca. That's remembering what your role is. And Lockie Murphy should not ever think that it's his responsibility to fly for a mark against two key position players. Yep, uh, I don't disagree with that particular comment. Surf's, um, what, that, you're saying, what Surf's saying on the chat is completely false. He's saying it's not Murphy's fault, though our players don't kick to our tools a lot of the time. I saw three or four occasions where Murphy jumped against our tall forwards. Yeah, that, and, that is true. Especially <clears throat> against Himmelberg. Yep. Yeah. Um, and it's yeah, a flaw in actually, his game. It's concentration, in my opinion. Yeah, he, actually, he, actually, he actually spoiled us taking a mark by doing it in one case, yep. So, you know, that aside, he did well at ground level, um, you know, and he does some good things. Um, but uh, that's a part of his game that he really needs to work on. Um, you know, Tom Lynch, I'm not quite sure why we need Tom uh, in the team. Uh, you know, he picks up kicks and he does some good things and he does some average things. And uh, and he goes missing for large periods of time. It's his last year, you would think. Um, what's the point? Oh, what's the point in playing him? What's the point? Um, I think ninety nine. He's got it in one. Uh, there's no reason to play Tom Lynch other than just shopping. No Look, he won't buying come. Tom Lynch. No one's buying Tom Lynch. Um, well, I, I don't know, but um, I don't think he'll be there next year. Well, he could be. And you think so? Or as a as a development coach. Oh yeah, well he could well be that, and um, but not as part of our. Uh, well, it could be a player coach, yeah, I suppose. But and uh, you're right. We I suppose he really doesn't have any high value. But, but we don't really have any players with great uh, trade value. What's I got to do with Tommy Lynch? Nothing, but. Uh, Nothing I mean, <laughs> we're talking about Tom's selection. I don't know why he was selected. We've got a couple of kids who've been doing very well in the twos. Um, Who would you prob- put in? Well, you, you could try Gallant. You could try Cook. You could bring McCannon back. Um, yeah. Anyone but Tom. Yeah, I, was they were, I, I was hoping they'd try Cook, but they might have thought that uh, the Bulldogs is not the game to do that in. So uh, well, I'd be just seen to bother in. them with, Phil, uh, with Ben Davis playing the Cats down at Cadinia Park. It seems to be the actual criteria that you put them in when they're going to get slaughtered so that you only have to play them for one game. I don't know that Ben Davis has been given the best of runs, but that's another story. Um, 
I, I, I'd like to see Cook get at least a game before the end of the season. He won't. In place of Lich. No, he won't. The, the, the only, even if Lynchy gets injured, um, it'll probably be McAdam that comes back in. We won't see Cook or Glant this season. Well, the point is uh, Gallant contracted for next year? Nope. So, is he going to be here next year? Wow. Would you want to stick around if you're not getting a run? Well, it goes both ways. It's whether the club wants him as well. Well, based on some uh, a, a good stretch of SANFL form, I can't see why they wouldn't. I mean, you're right, Mac. You don't know what's going on behind the scenes. He might have already indicated that he doesn't want to renew and, and therefore they don't play him. Uh, you know, we, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes and that's fair enough. Braden Cook, though, he's a local boy. He's been playing well. Could easily play that role. Yeah, well, I'd like him to. I'd like to see what he can do. And, mm-hmm. you know, even if it's just the one game before the end of the year, just to uh, let him know what it's like, that'll give him any can, or somebody he can think about that. He'll know what level he's got to try and reach. Yeah, yeah. I had a vigorous yeah, conversation vigorous conversation with my son about all this on the weekend. Did you? <laughs> yeah. It's, um, That's why he's already but, fired up against us. He's had his practice. Yeah, well, I'm just I'm a bit cynical this week. Because I just, I just, I, whatever. Um, I know what. <laughs> uh, you know, Jimmy Rowe comes back in and does exactly what he did before he dropped out. He kicks five goals in a trial game and they bring him back in. Why? Why? Well, as a non-selector, <laughs> I can't answer it, but... It's not a, he's not a good enough player to deserve that kind of treatment. Uh, no, I, I don't think he's either, but um, no, you'd have to ask them why they pick him. Well, I can't. <laughs> they don't answer, that's why I'm asking you guys. Well, I guess, you know, if you, if you can't work it out, mate, we can't either. Um, you know, I think our select... Uh, Razor says our selection committee is shit, and I think it is, you know. It, but look, they may have plans, they may have ideas, they may have directions they're heading to. Uh, we don't know, I don't know, but sometimes you look at it on the surface and you think, Jesus, I don't understand that. I remember having a conversation a couple of years ago with you, Nick, and Pete on a Tuesday night li- uh, live show and talking about um, the absence of a plan. And, Nikki, I don't know about you, but I still can't really see a, um, a plan. Can you? In terms of selection mm. and the way they're doing it, no. Well, um, I, I think they've... It's, it's a bit hard this year, and it definitely was last year because we had no SNFL that I could go and watch. Uh, um, and mm. I know... Back when we had that conversation, I was going fairly regularly and, and Pete was going to a couple of games as well. So we had an idea of yeah. what was going on in the twos and how we were playing. And you, you could kind of, you could see that we were trying to play the AFL style. You could see which players have started to show something and should be given a chance. And we could see the plan was that they literally had to bash down the door to mm. get given an opportunity. Yeah. And they had to then perform at quite a higher level to stay in. Yeah, I which, think that's the point, Nick. Yeah, and I think 
that is their plan, which is wrong for development. Yeah, it's certainly a and, philosophy. And the, and, yeah, and the stage where we're at. Um, and that's what's frustrated me about our selection this year because I can see that Nick's has actually got faith in those kids, it appears to be, when they're on the ground. Um in most areas, except the freaking midfield. Van Berlo, will you stop putting your mates in there, please? Well, um, Peter, Peter pointed out to me something that I wasn't aware of. Uh, the fact that we've seen Harry in the midfield over the last three weeks is as a result of Harry um, basically banging on Matthew Nix's door and, and demanding more midfield minutes. Mm. Yeah. That's correct. Uh, and to me, that's, that's an indictment on, on the whole uh, selection policy because we can see that that's what we need is we need him in there because of that speed and that outside that he provides that is lacking and the quality of his delivery that is lacking in as much as we love keys and lady they are not skillful players they never no. have been no and they never will be I can't argue and, and sloan is a trier had a good game on uh, by his standards, and uh, when I say by his standards, by this season's standards, uh, that's probably one of his better games of the year, actually. Um, yeah, but he still shouldn't have been in there. Well, I, I, I can see that there is a game plan that they're trying to develop, um, and I think what they do do, Fiend, is which where which might explain some of the strange selection processes that they tried people in that process and if they don't carry it out, they try somebody else in that process. But um, they're pretty quick to pull the trigger as well at times uh, with certain people. But um, I, I think they do have a, a, a good a good uh, style of game plan in mind, which is to move it very quickly with by hand where possible and try and go through the, the centre and try and catch the opposition out with speed. Um, but we don't quite have the midfield that can carry that out. I know when Harry gets in the midfield, he, he he's one of the few that can actually do it. And well, Harry's uh, not you know, the quickest player going around. It's all about pu- putting the ball to your your teammates' advantage. That's how you get. Yeah, the ball gen- gen- generally yeah. not a handball at their feet, which is a crow's special. Mm. Um, That's what I'm saying. It has, has been for years. When Harry's got the ball, though, he's usually he's far better. That's all the point I was trying to make. And, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. He is also quicker than letting keys. Across that distance, anyhow. So it's he's quicker in the brain, he's quicker in the skills, and he is slightly quicker of foot, which then means that handball game is a lot more proactive. You're you're right, Fane and, and Maka. We look so much better when he's doing that running style. We can see that that's what Nick's wants to play. But in order to do that, you look at the teams that do it successfully. They have a faster midfield. Yes. You have to have a quick. You have to have leg speed. Yeah, so you could have lead and keys in there, but preferably you'd actually only have one of them at a time, and the other one may be on a wing, or dropping back to to half back and then coming through, and you put Sloan on the half forward line or the half back line. But you'd have yeah. faster players. You'd put Pedler. You'd put. Unfortunately, Ronan O'Connell, we know he's got speed, but it doesn't seem to show at this level or whether he's actually really given that opportunity. Mm. He's been using the dagger both times he's played. 
Yeah. yeah. Never been never we, been run on the outside. No, we, and and that's what he was in that in that West Coast champs team. But I think we just look at him. Yeah, the, yeah, the W. Um, same thing, isn't it? <laughs> Sorry, Frio supporters. Um, but we kind of look at his height and everything else and go, oh, he can finally match up against, we've got somebody who can run with the big beastie um, midfielders, which is great if you were doing that to teach him how to be that type of midfielder because he's got all those attributes to be that. It's a good way if the kid's able to learn by following this is where you run to and, and things like that. But if you never give him a chance to then be proactive, what's the use of that so-called lesson? And I think yeah, this then... is where this is where it, this is where it gets to with with me, Nick, is that we we said at the beginning of the season that really the scoreboard was immaterial this year. You know, it's good to get some wins, and it's good like you obviously you run out there, you play to win. But the the team or the club itself needed to have a strategy for the year, in terms of rotating players through, um, finding out um, where individuals were at, um, and I feel like you know in some cases we seem to have done that. We've you know we've uh, reignited Chase Jones's career, which is great, um, but we've been in other areas. Um, We've been very remiss in in promoting certain players, and as I said, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Um, we don't, you know, they have a lot of sports science results, and GPS data, and all the rest of it that may tell them that certain people aren't ready uh, when they look to be ready uh, to the naked eye. So, you know, we, I, I guess, to a degree, we've got to give the club the benefit of the doubt. But I, I just feel like. Um, I just feel like we we have a history of burning uh, players that we pick in midfield roles by just not giving them the opportunity and playing them, you know, on the fringes or, you know, like poor old Sam Berry playing them in a forward pocket all year. And I, I just don't see any value in it. Yes, you're getting games yeah. into them, but you're not getting games where they're actually learning their craft. Well, I thought Gary Lyon summed up. Us up beautifully on the weekend. He said that looking at the Crows, he said he liked the style of game plan that they're trying to execute. Uh, he said, well served down back, well served up forward, missing in the middle. And uh, I think that's absolutely is our problem, is that we don't have that type of midfield that the really good sides have. They've, they've got... Um, well, either a wizard in there, or but or generally played with a lot of pace, and um, that's where you know that's what we've been talking about. And that's really, if we when we go to the draft, we 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 have to be going our first and second uh, draft picks must be quick midfielders. It just has to be. And I think that's what people need to realise when when discussing the crows, you know, midfield rotations, and I include the wings uh, on yep. this, you know. Um, you know, we're not saying that Sloan, Keys, and Laird are bad players, for example. But having Sloan, Keys, and Laird as as the the mainstays in our midfield rotation for the majority of the season, uh, and with a defence which has held up surprisingly well given the youth in that defence, uh, and with a forward line that 
has been a bit hit and miss, but has shown at times to be quite potent. That that midfield has delivered us currently 16th on the ladder. So it doesn't actually matter what you think of those players individually. Collectively, they've delivered a 16th on the ladder. And it should have been evident from a long way out that there was scope to add other players into that mix. If only, like, you know, traditionally you'll, you'll, you'll have a couple on the bench and you'll run them through the, the midfield rotations. What happened to, what happened to um, you know, having six or seven or eight blokes that can run through the midfield and having them running through that, that rotation at various stages during the game? So we've, we've seen in the last couple of uh, weeks Sam Berry has started to uh, push up into that rotation. Uh, Harry Schoenberg over the last three or four weeks has, has been included in that rotation and attended some centre bounces um, and you know you can you can say that Pedler uh, has been hampered by injury uh, at the beginning of the season so he's probably underdone etc um, so maybe we've just been hamstrung by a lack of uh, a lack of options but I cast my mind back to the amount of midfield uh, players that we've drafted over the course of the last three or four years and what's happened to them without exception and uh, we see the same three players in the midfield yeah no, we, we we desperately need that that blistering pace and uh, and as I say our first and second round draft pick they just have to go for the best classiest uh, uh, fastest mid that they can get hold of Anyway. And that's that's what I'm worried about is because Ogilvy doesn't seem to like those players. Well, he doesn't select them, I know that. Yeah, when when we've had a chance to get players like that, he's gone for something else, and well, that's this... worried me because we we've long we've long seen that the lack of pace in our midfield is an issue, and that was the way that the AFL was going. That's the way game plans were going. Um, this isn't a new thing. This has been around for a number of years. If and we can see it, why can't they when that is their job? You, you don't have to be uh, an Olympic sprinter, but what you do have to have is burst speed. And, you know, yes. it, it makes you wonder whether whether there's some shortcomings with the Adelaide Crows training program with regards to being able to develop that burst speed. Uh, we've seen a couple of our midfielders suffer severely from groin problems. Both Crouch boys suffered severely with groin and hamstring problems, um, you know, in the last few years, um, which hampered their burst speed, their ability to burst out of packs. You see a kid like Harry who doesn't look fast, but he is fast enough that he's able to put in three or four quick steps and get separation enough to give himself time to, to use uh, to use the ball. Um, you know, even Sam Berry, uh, who is a little bit one pace in my opinion, he's still got like he's he's very strong through the core and he's still able to um, put in a few uh, meters and he's got a very good sidestep, Sam Berry. Um, he's starting to waver again there, Fee. Oh, sorry, mate. Uh, it's got a very good sidestep, Sam Berry. No, it's still there. So, how about now? Still there. Well, I can't do anything about it. Nothing's changed here. It must just be network. 
Okay. So, um, how's it sounding to the people in the in the audience? Is it uh, a bit crackly, or is it just uh, just um, Discord? Crackly. Bit crackly to them. Yeah. How about people on uh, on YouTube? Because I know the people saying it's crackling are all on Discord. Uh, I wonder if there's anyone not on Discord. Uh, how's that? Better? Yep. Yes. All right. Um, okay. So, yeah, so maybe, maybe it's just a matter of, um, you know, lack of options. Uh, maybe we feel that some kids are ready that maybe not ready. Um, but it just... Under, underlines to me how important it is that we get our picks right and it really flies in the face of the age-old philosophy of you take the best available talent with your first pick because in my opinion in this draft if we were to, if the best available talent was a bloody key defender and Hamish picked him um, we'd just about have to drag him out the door yeah, I agree with you. And I mean, Mackesy, I don't know why we took Mackesy and not a mid that year. Yeah. Well, we, we've, we've, we've never been in a situation of having quick mids. And uh, uh, we see all the sides that are successful, they do have them. Um, yeah, about time we just got our, got our act together and, as you said, abandon the best available talent, even if you've got three of them in that bloody position. Um, and just took what we, what we actually need. That would be, that would do me fine. Yeah. Well, every time I've had this argument about about picking for need in the first round, I've been shouted down. Um, and yet, to my mind, we're the only competition in the world that just blindly takes the best available talent. What if you had five years in a row where the best available talent was a fullback? You'd end up with That's... five fullbacks on your freaking team. And actually, we we have got some good key defenders and uh, we've got good uh, hopefully uh, players in the in the in the twos that are going to be good key defenders we've got we've got plenty of defenders yeah, and my, we've got my, point of... Is, my point is that you don't just blindly pick a player because he's the best he's considered the best talent at that at that pick even if it's the I'm first agreeing. round I'm agreeing with you absolutely yeah, yeah. this this year it's got to be mid 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 all right, we've got 1990 in the live audience waiting patiently to have something to say, so I'll invite him in. It's always good to hear from our studio audience. 1990, how are you going, mate? Good, thanks, Phoenix. How are you going? How are you going, Marco and Nicky? Uh, good to hear you, 1990. You always add something very good to us, so let's hear it. Uh, um, I guess I sort of just was listening to the general conversation of um, how we've sort of selected... Um, our teams over the last few weeks and what our general plan was in this de- um, rebuild development phase that we're going through and I, I completely agree with a lot of what you guys are saying. Um, in particular, we don't appear to be picking um, the quantity or the the, uh, the players available to us um, that we think are going to be uh, in our long-term plans. I'm, I'm not quite sure what the plan is at the moment, to be honest. I think we, we appear to be picking senior players like Lynch and McKay and uh, and these types for reasons that I can't quite work out. Um, and not... Like, for the last two weeks with, with COVID 
we've had players unable to play SNFL, and yet we still decided to pit David McKay as sub, um, which just completely boggles my mind when you've got a spot for a player to potentially play an AFL game in the back half of the season, moving into into our future, we, we waste a game. We, we just seem to be wasting games week after week. Um, and th- that's why I'm so frustrated at the moment because I, I, I think I felt I felt like this rebuild was gaining pace at the beginning of this season um, and we we're moving in the right direction. But I think the last six to eight weeks I've become quite frustrated and can see that we're not quite really going in the right direction. It's an interesting comment, and I think you're, you're making a very good comment. Who would be the players that you would have liked to have seen given an opportunity, and who are the players that you think shouldn't be there? Oh, I think you actually really nominated the ones that shouldn't be there, but who yeah. would you, who would you I, like to see? I think Mackesee and Worrell are quite stiff at the moment to not be getting, getting games. Yeah. Um, I think, in particular, last week we had Billy Frampton playing fullback. Um you know, the first time of his entire career, um, despite having two top-end draft picks drafted as... A, a number six key defender. <laughs> I, I, I just can't work it out. <laughs> I just can't work it out. Um, you know, Billy might, in the long term, become a serviceable key defender, but we've spent large capital in the draft trying to get someone like Fisher McAsee um, ahead of midfielders, like you guys are saying. We've We've, we've bypassed the need of midfielders and um, highly talented, speedful midfielders to get someone like Fisher, mm-hmm. and we haven't picked him. Yeah, and it's becoming a worry because, like, if Fisher doesn't get going soon, you know, he's not going to develop, and he's not going to become worthy of that draft pick, um, which means we're going to have to spend another couple of drafts capital trying to get these midfielders. And even then, I don't really have great confidence that we're going to pick the right ones. Well, the interesting thing is that Nix has come out publicly and said that he won't give players a game unless they earn it. Um, there is such a thing as investing in players as Do well as... Do you think Riley Thilthorpe earned it? No. No. No, no that's exactly. what I'm saying. You, <laughs> you, you, you actually pick the player that you believe can develop into a good player and you invest in them and you give them games so that they can get the feel of it and gradually develop a game at that level. Otherwise, how do they ever do that? I don't remember Charlie Cameron ever being quite ready for AFL when he first came in. No, he wasn't either. And to me, um, on that whole point, this is what frustrates me, 1990, was at the start of the year we did give kids opportunities like Riley, like Berry. Rowie came straight in without any real solid form behind them. We gave those kids the opportunity. We were doing what we wanted to see and what we're discussing right now. And yet we started to get some wins on the board and we've gone back to trying to win games. And it's like, no, we got those wins because you trusted those kids. That's a very good point, Nikki. That's a very good point. And North Melbourne is a case in point of a, of a, a team that looked about, you know, Div 3 Amateur League grade when they started this season, and yet they've persisted. They've got a couple of old heads, but they've persisted with young players. Uh, they've given them responsibility, and they're starting to see results. Correct. And if you were a North Melbourne fan right now watching them, you'd be thinking 2022 and 2023 are starting to look pretty good. 
So, yeah, don't disagree at all, 1990. And I I think it's a, a furphy of Nick's to say, you know, blokes got to earn their spots. Because when you're in a rebuild and when you're so far down in terms of redeveloping your list and surely they must see a selection when they're looking at lists or list management when they're looking at lists that none of our senior players no one over no one over 27 on our list is going to feature in our next um you know premiership contending squad so you know then you've got to throw the keys to the younger players i mean we're finally starting to see a little bit, in my opinion, we'll get to individuals in a minute, I don't want to continue this conversation too much longer, but we're finally starting to see a little bit out of Darcy Fogarty. You know, but how many times has he been back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and, you know, there's no continuity in in the work that he's been given in in the ones. You know, we've we never even got a chance to see Ben Davis. We never really got a chance to see Jordan Gallucci in the midfield before he got jack of it and lost interest. You know, there, there's been others as well. And there are times in a rebuild or when you're rebuilding a side where you've got to show a bit of faith in kids. And, you know, we show faith in a in a, in a Riley Thilthorpe. Why can't we show a similar amount of faith in a Lockie Gallant or a Braden Cook or, you know, more games into Josh Worrell instead of Jake Kelly, for example? I, I don't understand it. Well, I think you, that's the thing, yeah. Sorry, Matthew, you go. Yeah, no, all I was going to say is that, I mean, you started the conversation in the 99 and Fleen just took it up a little bit further, and you're quite right, because at the moment there is no, there's no glory in us winning games. No, uh, you know, nothing, the players nothing, nothing might like it, but it really adds up to nothing. It, it's still a zero at the end of the, at the at the end of the season. It's still just a zero. It doesn't matter anything. Uh, what you don't want to stay at that level. You want to you want to be able to have a a, a graph and a curve that's rising, and the only way you're going to do that is to play these kids and get them so to get them to the state so they can increase their output so they can get to the stage that. Uh, when it all clicks, they could start to become good players and eventually the team can rise. Yeah, you've got to keep adding to it every year. There's no doubt about that. But um, to some degree, we have wasted this back end of the year. I do agree with you, 1990. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, I think there's still been good positives for the season. Um, we've found, found a number of players that I think are going to be part of our long-term future. Um, I just think yeah, like we're, like we're saying, we've got to show further faith in the players that we think are going to be um, in our best 22 for whenever we think we might peak in three or four years, seasons' time. Um, and, yeah, I just want to see it happen tomorrow. I don't want to see it happen next season. Mm. Very good. Thank you, sir. Always a pleasure at 1990. I'll shuffle you back into the audience. Uh, yeah, thanks, man. Need to get a wriggle on here. I'm not going to spend too much time on the head-to-heads because I think it's immaterial. Just for those uh, listening, uh, Port in the end get up, got up 15-10-100 to the Giants 11-7-73. So the Giants squandering that opportunity to uh, entrench themselves a little bit further in the eight and uh, remain in the dogfight for that position. So oh, let's move forward and... Um, look at some head-to-head stats and I'll just get my shit together here. Uh, where are we? There we go. Look at that. 
It's amazing. Right. Uh, so, as I said, I'm not going to spend too much time because I think it's pretty self-evident uh, how the game panned out. Uh, the Bulldogs, 372 to 331 disposals. Uh, 211 kicks to 185, 161 handballs to 146, inside 50, 65 to 40. Again, an indictment on our inability to get um, good transition going against the Bulldogs. They were able to shut us down between the arts quite regularly. Um, Our disposal efficiency wasn't bad. Uh, Our efficiency inside 50 wasn't bad. We just didn't get it in there enough. Uh, 20 free kicks each. Riley O'Brien, 49-36 to 36 hitouts. Clearances, we lost convincingly, 44-35, to 35, although we absolutely destroyed them in centre clearances, 17-8. to 8. It would be interesting to see in a minute who got those centre clearances. Uh, around the ground, though, 36-18 uh, to 18 in the Bulldogs' favour. So, uh, um, And I saw a stat that I don't have in this little collection about their stores, scores from stoppage. And uh, it was quite telling. Contested possession was even. Uncontested possession, they had a bit more of the ball on the outside. Turnovers relatively even. Um, marks 85 to 68 in the Bulldogs' favour, uh, including 17 to 8 inside 50. Um, irrespective of the fact that contested marks were even, so they were able to free players up. And Nick, you know. Uh, you were saying at the outset about uh, the matchups there and the fact that their tools didn't have a few, uh, huge influence. Do you think maybe because one of our medium defenders was tied up uh, looking after a tool that that allowed them to rotate their medium and small forwards through effectively to hit the scoreboard? I think... Answer I'm just trying yes, to think back way. to the game. <laughs> no, I'm just trying to think back to the game because it, it really was. It was the way that their their midfield moves it down and and they do have, and we've discussed it, they, they just have such a beautiful way of moving the ball um, because I actually look at some of those forwards and they're not the most talented forwards, but they get the job done. Yeah, I, some, I of think, those, some of those passes were just sublime. I think Josh Bruce is a little underrated. I think Norton's uh, good on his day, and Ugo Hagen could be a champion. Uh, but they're smaller oh, yeah. Ugo, players. Ugo Hagen's got. They're smaller. They're smaller players that run through there, uh, are the, are where they can get under your guard. And Bont and Pelly can get under your guard too. I noticed the Bont was on uh, Kelly a bit. They played him forward a fair bit, and that's a luxury you wouldn't mind having. Uh, being able to play your Brownlow Medal favourite. You know, fifty percent up forward in a game just to give him a bit of a break. Yeah, he did have. He was up there, and uh, and I thought, you know, um, I don't know whether it was Kelly or the overall the team, or whatever. No, you know, the bond didn't really uh, cause us great pains up there. Um, Waitman is the player, young young player who he's. When you talk about small, he's not even really that small. He's a he's a good size, uh, yeah. small if you like. And uh, yeah, he. I thought he had a very good game, and he. He uh, he runs around a lot. He makes leads. He um, he, don't, he makes it a lot easier for the tools by taking players out of there as well. So he's, and, uh, and he hits the contest hard, Waitman, aerially. Oh, for for a ever. bloke who for a bloke who isn't there marking target, when he does go up for a mark, he's he straight lines it. Um, very impressive. Yeah, no, I really really like him as a player, and uh, I think. To some degree, and um, I can't think of any other smalls up there that really 
cause us any pain in the affine. I thought waiting in particular was the, was the main uh, pain. And as I said, he plays his own game and to that degree he opens it up there for the, uh, the tools as well. Yeah, it's probably not a bad point. Uh, Matt, they all kind of chipped in, didn't they? Uh, there wasn't anyone really dominating, uh, but that's the thing. They all chipped in. They were able to share it around, uh, and they all got involved, didn't they? So, uh, yeah. Hunter likes, he, he likes to sneak down there if he can and get a goal or two as well. Yeah. Um, so, you know, uh, some of the parts, uh, really, um, in terms of where the Bulldogs got their score from, uh, one thing I will touch on is tackles. Uh, tackles inside 50 improved, 14 apiece. Uh, tackles overall 69 to 58 in the Bulldogs' favour. But I, I tell you what, though, there was a fair number of broken tackles and a fair number of being able to get the arms free in Adelaide tackles. Um, our tackling didn't seem to be terribly effective, in my opinion. Um, some of our smaller players, um, um, Roe got caught out a couple of times and uh, McKenzie did too, just trying to use arms rather than the whole body. Mm. And they just, So uh, in general, I think our yeah, blokes tried pretty well to tackle, but uh, some, as I say, some of the smaller ones, if you're small, you've got to go straight at the body and everything, not just arms. And for me, it's not just those broken tackles. It's the ones where we couldn't even reach them. Yeah, we just put an arm out or something like that. Yeah, we didn't get close enough. It was more, I'll I'll try from out here instead of actually getting closer. And even if you can't make the tackle, you're still putting body pressure on. Yes, indeed, Nick. I agree with you. Uh, Now, our um, individual stats. Uh, Let's have a look. Uh, Sloaney was actually our highest disposal getter for the game with 26, 12 and 14. uh, Had four clearances. Uh, Leardy, 25 touches, 10 and 15 with 10 tackles, if you don't mind, and four clearances. Um, Brody Smith, 23 disposals with three clearances. Ben Keyes, 69... uh, Sorry, 22 disposals with seven clearances. Um, Seedsman had a quiet game by his standards um, still have 442 metres gained but uh, only the 22 touches uh, Smithers had 648 metres gained but he was uh, playing quite deep um, so a lot of his long kicks were uh, out of the back half including that monster that he kicked to the centre of the field how, how, how was that the first quarter I think it was how far do you reckon that one went for you look about a 70 metre I reckon oh, I reckon it was longer than that was ridiculous. He just kept going. I know it was a ripper because he did have the breeze behind him. He just got it up in the right channel of the breeze, and it just kept going. Yeah, uh, Annie McPherson, a bit of a return to form, I thought, for uh, Moose, coinciding with him getting rid of that mop, which is the best thing he's done all season. Uh, Twenty-one touches. Because um... <laughs> God knows, hair's got so much to do with football ability. <sighs> <laughs> No, I'm sorry. It just I just remember those discussions of Big Forty always used to amuse me when anybody had a man bun and just everybody seemed to get on their high horse that he needs to cut it in order. So I actually thought that obviously if you if you're a footballer, you're a reverse Samson. You've got to have short hair. You couldn't have no. been in, you couldn't have been in favour with Annie McPherson's mop. Yeah, J Max stole my J Max stole my bloody line. I mean, <laughs> Hamill should put Grey's hair along and put his headband back on again. <laughs> 
yeah, slight return to form for Hamill as well. But yeah, I agree. Um, he he has played better with his hair a bit shorter, which is a bit. It's hilarious. I don't think it's quite. I don't think it's quite the haircut that's done it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Harry Schomburg with uh, continued midfield minutes had uh, not a bad game. A little bit wasteful with the ball, but twenty-one touches, ten and eleven. Um, three tackles, four clearances was a good game. I thought Tom Diday uh, was good across half-back. A few intercept marks had 20 touches and gained nearly 400 metres. Seven marks he took as well, which I think was pretty much a game high for us. Yep, it was. Um, Riley O'Brien, um, I felt like uh, I feel like he's getting back to some sort of marking form around the ground, um, which is... Uh, good to see the last couple of weeks he's been taking some uh, crackling again, I hear. Yeah, been taking... Is it? I, I'm not sure what's going on, but uh, is that better? Yeah. Yeah, just just on Rob, he was up against the type of Ruckman that you've identified he struggles with um, because of that arm reach and yeah. that, that bit of the, the jump. But I actually thought he didn't do too badly and agree around the, the ground. I thought there were... There's some more marks he possibly could have stuck a bit better or, you know, um, <laughs> quite enjoying the gift from Razor at the moment in the chat. Um, but I agree, he's definitely kind of picked up around the ground the past couple of weeks. I thought he did. I thought he, uh, around the ground, I thought his efforts were pretty good and then he took some good saving marks as well. Oh, yeah. I, in, I just def- thought, in defence he did. In defence. I am talking about in defence. Um I think, which means he's worked hard to drop back there and then to also to take the mark as well. So um, I, it hasn't been the greatest of years for him, not, uh, not compared to his best years. Uh, but I think he's just starting to come in a little bit of form, but he does have trouble with uh, anybody with long arms. He really does. Yeah. As I said here once before, mate, I don't mind him losing uh, rucks as long as our midfielder are uh, across it. And as long yeah. as we still get value for him from him around the ground, um, and Correct. I feel like we're back to, uh, I don't, you know, Riley's not going to take every mark. Sometimes he gets a bit vertical with it, um, but as long as he's contesting, he usually nullifies the contest, and and that's uh, that's the most you can probably ask for a bloke who, let's be honest, is a bargain basement ruckman. Yeah, uh, Tom Lynch was a waste of space with eighteen touches, nine and nine. Um, as I said, four four marks, three tackles. Um, not really sure why it was in. Uh, Lockie Murphy, um, 17 touches. Jake Kelly, 13 touches. Um, didn't play too badly. Jake, I didn't think. Uh, Ned McHenry, probably not enough of the ball. 13 disposals. Um, James Rowe. Um, did did some good pressure stuff. Like some of our nice movements, I think Ned was involved with, you know, a bit of that, that pressure on the hustle that were happening, particularly against some of those stronger um, Bulldogs mids. You're always going to get that from Ned because that's the type of player he is. But I hope he had a good long look at Caleb Daniels' tape. Oh, to yeah. See, to <laughs> see what a small, how effective a small player can be. And what Ned needs to do, like effort, is fantastic. But in this day and age with AFL football, you can't waste a player. Every player on the ground needs to have a role and be able to execute that role. I'm not a hundred percent sure what Ned McHenry's role is at the moment, and if all it is is to harass, 
That, that's a waste of a position, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, you're right. He'll always give you 100% effort, but it's not yeah. always expended in a useful fashion. So, um, and look, I, I don't know whether that's his fault, the coach's fault, or whether it's just the way the game is uh, game is being played. He's and, been given plenty of opportunities, Mac. He has. He has. He's playing and, up around uh, the ball. Yeah, well, he's playing up high, very high. So, uh, I, 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 I think he's very courageous, uh, and he goes in hard. But um, he did he did a few arm tackles, which I didn't like. In other words, he sort of reached rather than uh, did his angry ant thing, where he really jumped all over them. So, uh, yeah. um, no, but okay, he's, he's never going to be a star for us. But you're right. He, if he, you know, if he used the uh, the bulldog player as a role model, he will. He, it wouldn't do harm anyhow. Yeah, and let's face it, Caleb Daniel is a bit of a freak, um, you know, um, and the size comparison isn't necessarily relevant, but I think what Ned needs to do is to understand where he sits in terms of the the, the game plan, and the coaches probably need to clarify that with him as well. Um, he's very good at hitting up short passes on transition. I'd like to see him actually get more ball on the way out as the first or the second give off half-back because he's very good with the next kick. Um, He's not so good crumbing uh, deeper forward. Um, Yeah, so I don't know. Uh, You know, good honest try. I'm just not quite sure where Ned fits at the moment. James Rowe I'm not a fan of, uh, 12 and 7. Uh, Elliot Himmelberg, I thought, didn't have a bad day. Uh, got to a lot of good areas. Didn't probably take as many marks as he would have liked. Um, but certainly uh, wasn't wasn't bad. Got, got got done dirty by the umps a couple of times with some of those yeah, marking attempts. Yeah, he did, actually. He did. He, at least twice he got cheated. Uh, he got... Definitely, he marked it. One was clean as a whistle. Yeah. The other one, made, yeah. one, one was uh, looked like it might have been from the wrong angle, but he still did mark it. Mm, but yeah. one was so clean. One was so clean. I just can't work out why it wasn't paid. Yeah, no, I, I do recall that now that you say it. Um, so you know, um, it'll be yeah, interesting I, I to see quite... what we do with Elliot going forward. He's a very interesting one. You know, I like him. Mrs. Yeah, Himmelberg. Where, where does he where does he fit though with a with an up and up and coming Riley Thilthorpe? I I think I like him in the ruck as well though. Um, no, I don't want because, to play him as a ruckman. No, 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 not as a ruckman, but as as but as our second one. So if you like having that kind of um, the shape, it means fog moves up to Texas spot and you've then got all Hema can actually move up and do the Santa Hufford and do the, the higher roaming as well or and then you've got him and Tilthorpe swapping or the one resting on the bench and then coming on to provide that, that backup as well. If we don't want to use Riley too much in the ruck to begin with to get that banged up body which I think is a smart thing to do for him you want to leave him up forward most of the time. I, I think that's the mix that you want to do. As much as Texas had a great year, and yes, we have signed him for next year, it should be Himmelberg, Fogg, and Tilthorpe. They're the three who have actually shown 
consistently, and they were interesting consistently with Fogg, but he's gotten a lot better with the opportunities he's been given. What are your thoughts on that, Maka? Well, you know, with the, with the style of game plan that we're playing, and even if we had decent mids delivering the ball, um, you don't really need all that many tools. But uh, look, I, I thought Himmelberg, of, of the play, uh, players who, uh, if you compare him to Frampton, he's much better than Frampton up forward. Um, sometimes looks a little bit too casual for my liking. Uh, other times he looks intent, and when, when he looks like that, he, he's pretty good. Um, but as a structure, I do like the, stru- the idea of what Nicky said. That means that there's no Taylor Walker there, and there won't be a Taylor Walker there long term. So I think, in terms of a structure long term, I would be happy with what Nicky's talking about. Um, but yeah, Himmelberg, Bill Thorpe, and uh, Fogg at Senar Ford. I thought Fogg actually advanced his status uh, this, this, in this game. We've been playing against a very, a very, very good team. I thought he showed a little bit more last week, and I thought he showed a little bit more again this week. And then in uh, a team that's not going so well, I, it's good to see Fogg actually starting to finally show that he is improving. I, and I've liked his last two games. Um, and this one much better than even the one before. So... I think uh, long term, I think Nicky's right. I think that's probably how we'll structure. Um, but, you know, many things can change. McAfee might end up as a forward instead of a backman. Um, but on the, what we know, that's how I think it would I'd structure. Yeah, I think you can go two ways with Himmelberg. He's either uh, going on the trade table or I, I'm actually warming to the idea of him and Riley being able to switch at a high half-forward level. Yep. Because both of them have got some wheels. Elliot's got good aerobic fitness, and both of them are really good at ground level. So they're not a liability up around the wing because they can move the ball on. They're good with their hands. They can find targets. They can hit players on the move. Um, And I'm starting to think along this, and that's why I was interested in your thoughts because I found myself nodding when Nick was talking, because I actually don't mind uh, that configuration at all. Uh, And And the other thing is, just to add to what they both bring, they're both very, very, very hard to outmark. Yeah, so uh, you've got to make sure that your your wings and and your high half forwards are doing the right thing, Lockie Murphy, um, and actually getting to their feet. Um, but yeah. I, I don't I don't actually mind it um, having um, that. The, the problem I think we've got is what we end up doing with Tex. If Tex wants another year, and he and he's got it, you know that kind of messes the whole thing up. And does Himmelberg hang around for another year, waiting for that spot to open? He's contracted. Yeah, I know, but it doesn't mean he doesn't can't ask for a trade maker. That's true. Doesn't mean you'll get it either. No, but I mean the the point is, what value is there in having Elliot Himmelberg spending another year in the twos at the expense of a thirty-two year old forward? I hundred percent agree with you. I, I think you know um, Walker's actually he's had a very very good year, but he's presented more problems than he has solutions. I, I'm because gonna, I'm going to 
put a caveat on that, Macca, sorry to interrupt by saying Walker had a very good first half of the year. I don't think he's been anywhere near as convincing since the bye. Agreed. Certainly not as um, consistent. But the downside of him having his good year is that I believe that it's uh, definitely slowed down and delayed our development up forward um, because Walker's actually been... Uh, the linchpin of it and the target rather than anybody else. And, of course, he's uh, he's at the end of his career. As you say, he's died a little bit in terms of his form in the last few weeks. And next year, very, very ordinary. Who knows? Yeah. So, um, look, I'm with you guys. I think, um, I think Elliot is worth... Um worth persevering with but I, I wouldn't mind betting that he might be involved in something to get us a pick but anyway either way um who else i thought nick murray did well i thought geordie butts did well down back sam berry a limited opportunities didn't get a lot of it but when he did go into that midfield rotation he showed a couple of things like i said he's got a he's got a great little sidestep in traffic that gets him a bit of separation um nicky and mac uh, that i really like and I can see him being more than just an in and under midfielder. I think he can also he can get through traffic, which means that he can open up the outside run on the other side of the pack. And he did that in his very first game. I remember him doing that little sidestep. We all just kind of went, well, hang on. We've got one here. He wasn't just a tackle machine that we've been told about. Yeah, a little that... bit more than that. Oh, yeah. Um, the other one I actually think who did um, well, Hamill. Well, I disagree with you. Only had six kicks. Yeah, I was surprised when you said that, Nicky. I didn't think he did much at all. In the, in the first half, he went kind of missing in the third quarter. We saw him a little bit more in the last. But just the way he was defensively, he was a bit more attacking, particularly when we were having that nice run on in the, particularly that, that first quarter, and even that little bit of nice run we were getting in the second. Um he was involved with a lot of those kind of plays. And considering it, considering it just, how much ball was in their forward 50, um, he didn't. And considering the makeup of our defensive 50, that we didn't have a lot of run, we were relying on Chase and Will to provide us with something. Chase had four touches, Will had six. I thought both of them were actually a bit disappointing. Yeah, I'm, I'm in your corner here, Fane. Um, yeah, no, they. Not not horrible, but not good. Yeah, the, what they did, they did okay, but they just were, were not involved enough, I guess, is where I sit on that. Yeah, so, um, me too. Um, you know, so not earth-shattering stuff, as I said. I, I've probably whisked through it a little bit simply because, um, yeah, in the end it doesn't really matter, does it? <laughs> no, it doesn't. Um, I, look, I thought overall it was a gallant display um even though it blew out in the end um pardon me um blew out in the end a little bit and got away from us a little bit um i think that was more indicative of the strength of western bulldogs rather than any drop off in endeavor um you know where it probably was a fair indication of the gap between the two teams in my opinion yeah i thought that probably uh I think we did very well to restrict that to that gap because I would actually put them a little bit higher than that above us. But uh, uh, I wasn't disappointed with our game. I thought that given who we played against 
and the quality of the players that we played against and the style of game that they play, which is very hard to contain. I thought we did pretty well to restrict it to that. Um, if we played like some of the games we have in the past, we could, we could have got beaten by 20 goals by, or, or more by that side. So mm. I think that was a really good, a good effort, given the talent, what we're putting on the park against what they're putting on the park. Yeah. Razor in the chat makes a really good point. Um, our kids do seem to play with a lot of heart. And I noticed from the uh, player interviews we did with the young kids at the beginning of the season, a lot of them felt like they were part of a, a new beginning at the Crows. And I actually think that's more important than quote-unquote winning culture. And I think the way you keep young people engaged is to actually show faith in them and have them involved. The, the, it, there's nothing surer than to lose the attention of a, of a young person than by not actually giving them any responsibility. And I think um, this is probably where I'm coming from with the whole thing that uh, the kids want to be the future. They really are the future. Yes, we're short on talent at the moment, um, but they really need to be given the keys a little bit more. And I'd like to see over the last four weeks that they get a bit more opportunity. What's that? Three weeks, isn't it? Something like that. Whatever it is. Around three 20, weeks, that, right. Three weeks, that's right. Yeah, I, and, but I do agree with what you're saying, though. The principle of what you're saying is quite correct. And, you know, it, it, we really should be. Um, the results don't matter for us. They just don't matter. But it should be given... Uh, I'd like to see Cook, I don't know whether they want to play Cook or not, or whether there's something in his game they don't think he's ready or whatever. But I would like to see, you know, uh, Warrell get another game. I'd like to see um, if we're going to get rid of O'Connor, give him another try just to see if he can uh, let him play as a proper midfielder rather than as a tagger. I don't don't, don't think O'Connor stays on the list, unfortunately. Now, Tommy Gunn has come in with a bang... Pardon the pun, Tommy Gunn, with a bang. Um, dropping a, a rumour but not naming a name. Now, Tommy, we have a rule with Crowcast that if you're going to drop a rumour like that, you have to be prepared to actually give us a name. So you either drop a name or uh, you'll be shouting more than one round of beers at the uh, Crowcast um, end of season camp. Um, well, what I would like to see Tommy Gunn do at a minimum is just tell us what club, if you're not going to tell us the name of the player. Yeah, club, club at a minimum, but uh, name of the player in particular. We've got a couple of minutes left. There's a few people in uh, the live studio audience. If anyone wants to have something to say before we finish up, now is the time. Um, so your final thoughts, we've got, uh, who have we got next week? We've got bloody uh, Port next week, haven't we? Uh, yeah, we do, and who knows where it's going to be. Well, it's allegedly our showdown, and there is a chance it could be at Adelaide Oval, um, because uh, we're not in, we won't not in lockdown, we're not in restrictions. But unfortunately, every time we have a uh, home game, we've either got no supporters or bloody uh, restricted. Uh, well, the, uh, the problem is both our teams are in Victoria at the moment, and there's a mandatory quarantine period. So it depends on whether the... Um, like I think Victoria were able to get their teams out of Queensland 
um, because they um, had faith in the AFL bubble, but the South Australian government in the past has not shown the same level of faith in that. So I wouldn't mind betting we actually see our first bloody Melbourne-based uh, Melbourne-based showdown, to be honest with you. Well, that's a great home ground advantage to us, isn't it? Well, there'd have to um, be some there'd have to be some payoff on that next season. You'd think so. You'd think so. But um, look, I don't believe we could win it anyhow. The, the Port Adelaide are one of the better uh, teams in the competition. They're probably maybe the fourth best team in the competition, maybe the fifth. Uh, I still don't think they're in the up to the standard of one, two, three. Uh, but uh, no, we won't win it if we. If, if they go uh, flat out, they could probably win it by 10. That's, that's my opinion. I'll be fine if it's um, interstate so I don't have to go and watch it. <laughs> we don't know. It's just in person. <laughs> oh, no. If it's a home game and we're allowed in, yeah, I'll be there. Hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> I hate losing to them just because... They really enjoy it. Um, <laughs> yeah, pretty much with with Mac um, is that you know we they will definitely fire up even more so to give a chance to to give a really good killing shot off for us. And it'll you know, and if they keep lynching the side, everything else it's just going to happen. Yeah, and, uh, I don't. <laughs> Oh, similar to what you said. Okay. Yeah, I think it's an eight to ten. Um, I don't. I don't think. Uh, I don't think we've got the cattle at the moment. The power got a few players uh, back. It seemed to be going all right. It was a good, solid win tonight. Obviously, against GWS, who had something to play for. I don't think we have a lot left to play for. Um, and it's been a long season for a couple of the kids who haven't had much of a rest. And see, that's the that's the, that's the paradox, isn't it? We've had blokes like Sam Berry and Ned McHenry who have played the majority of the season, um, and other kids who can't get a look in for one one more than one game. Anyway, get off my hobby horse. All right, well that looks to be it. Disappointingly, Tommy Gunn came in here. Uh, Oh, I want to say I will only say either a Gold Coast or a Sydney player so he's either talking about Dylan Stevens or uh, Jack Lacocious I reckon that's uh, uh, the equivalent of a round of beers uh, Tommy that's as weak as water if you ask me well given if it's a Gold Coast player it could be Rankin as well yeah oh, it could be uh, Rankin I guess so Rankin or Lacocious Sydney with the, the Stevens. Yeah. yeah, I'd say so. Um, look, thanks to everyone who's joined us on Discord uh, and also on YouTube. Don't forget us if you want to um, um, uh, give us some support on uh, Patreon. You can go to patreon.com forward slash AFL Crowcast. We appreciate everyone who's supported us on Patreon during the course of the season. Um, I am in the midst of planning a little end of year drink session considering our year is going to be finishing early we might get together and watch a finals game uh, during the course of the final series if the COVID restrictions 
left in the interim. Nikki, Maka, thank you very much for joining me once again. We'll be back on Tuesday night with Tuesday Night Live, of course. But in the meantime, everyone stay safe, and uh, we'll see you later on. Yep, not all. <laughs> not all. <laughs>